Come on now, who's excited to be here this morning? Come on, you're excited to be here. So good to see you guys. Man, we love you guys in grace as well. God is using Pastor Aaron there in an amazing way uh, in grace, and we're so thankful for you guys and, and tuning in with us this morning. I also want to welcome everybody watching online at home who's not with us in person. Thank you so much for being here. No matter where you are across the world watching this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Man, you look good this morning. So good to see you guys. It's getting ready for the Christmas uh, series coming up or the Christmas Sunday next Sunday. Super excited. We got something special planned and we're gonna have two services. So you have plenty of room to invite your family, your friends if you're coming in person. Actually, we're gonna ask you to bring your whole family for your kids as well is gonna be in here. So we got a good family, fun-packed event for you next weekend. We can't wait. Two services services, make sure you are also aware of that, and that will be at both campuses. We're also going to be showing online as well, so if you can't tune in with us in person, you will catch us online. You know, today, uh, I know you heard Connie talk about it, host talk about it, is that this year in offering, you know, always, if you've been with us for any time, you know, at the end of the year, we find people who, uh, who, who need to be blessed, and we bless them in some way or some form or some fashion. We've said this from day one, you don't give to the church, you give through the church to minister to a lot of people. And there's been a lot of people in valleys, a lot of organizations in valleys, and uh, we get to bless them. We get to do this. Can you believe that? You're like, you don't got to, you get to be a blessing. And there's so many great credible organizations, but one of the great neat things we're doing this year, I don't know if you heard or was aware of, uh, but we got partnered with this company who uh, did some research in this area in southern Ohio and, and all the way to the borders of this part of Kentucky. And they found out there's $1.5 million worth uh, of medical debt that's outstanding. And if you know anything about discount paper, how you people, your mortgage gets sales. If you're in a banking world, your, your auto note gets sales. Your student loans probably got sales five times, right? You're like, who keeps sending me these things? And so this organization basically buys that debt and then for a discount sells it, writes it off. So listen to this. We are able to pay off $1.5 million for $15,000. $15,000, y'all. That's unreal. That is unreal. And even though that those people will never know who you are, never know who Better Life Church is, that we get to partner and get to help families like that. Are you kidding me? And so we were able to sign up and say, you know, let's make it happen. Give us the ball. We want to erase that medical debt in this region. We'll do whatever it takes to help people, to reach people, and so they can experience an abundant life, a full life, but what we know to be as a better life when we read John 10, 10. So I'm really super excited about that. And you may be saying, how do I participate in that? And maybe you're watching online uh, right now. Now, obviously, if you want to go to our app, you're online. It's already earmarked, year in offering. You can be part of that if you choose to. Here at Better Life Church, here's how we roll. We ask you to pray, listen to Jesus, and whatever he tells you to do, do it. If he tells you to give, give what he tells you to give. If he tells you not to give, you don't have to give. All we ask you to do is just pray and ask him, God, how would you want me to be part of this? And if you're online, you could do that. That's how, that's how my wife and I, that we do it. Uh, if you're here at either one of our locations, at Grayson or here at Moorhead, in front of you will be an envelope. If you want to, you can grab that envelope and you can just put in your offering there. And when you leave, there'll be somebody in the back. Uh, they'll have a bowl. You just drop in there. If not, men love to join and being online. If not, hey, we'll see you back here next Sunday. You know, you just listen to Jesus, do what he tells you to do. So we're really excited to see how God's going to really bless these organizations, these local missionaries, and also erase this debt. Really, really excited. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about that God is the God, not only of the mountain, but God of the, come on, God of the 
Valleys, that's right, you did pay attention and you came back. Praise the Lord, you know what I'm saying? You know, he is the God of the valley. Has 2020 been a valley or what, man? I mean, 2020, in fact, this now the running joke. If something bad happens, ah, it's just 2020. You know, it's 2020, right? You know, and so 2020 has been kind of this valley for most people. In fact, for most organizations, and you know, a lot of times we're in that valley, we're stuck in that valley, and we really can't see who God is and what God is up to, what God's purpose is. So if you are in a valley, which probably all of us have been in some form this year, I would encourage you to go back and actually watch that message. In fact, most of your life is going to be spent in the valley. Most of your life is going to be trudging through that valley with the highs and the lows. I mean, that is just life. But life is also full of some moments of mountaintop experiences. And I know for 2020, a lot of us, we probably haven't had a mountaintop experience. There may have been some good news back and forth, but I'm talking about that mountaintop experience. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you're like, man, life is good. I mean, kids are good. Work is good. Job's good. Finances are good. Even the cat is good. You know what I'm saying? And that's ironic. How could a cat ever be good? You know what I'm saying? Even the cat is being good. Like, I mean, it's like life is just like great right now. I mean, you think that's just a great mountaintop experience. I mean, things are just good. Health is good. Job's good. Work's good. I mean, life, you just get up. You're like, man, I just can't wait to start my day. Now, for some of you, it's probably not been 2020, right? Because you're like, oh, my gosh, kids are still here. When are they going to start school back, right? I'm trying to work, be a parent, and teach at the same time, right? I mean, you're like, you wake up, and you don't even know day to day. You even know, like, are we going to have it next week or not next week? Are we going to? And so your whole life has been up and down all year long. But there are going to come a moment, and there will come a moment where you are going to be back on top of the mountain. There will be a moment that you're going to have that mountaintop experience. There is going to come a day where everything's going to kind of settle down, and you're for a moment going to be able to breathe, and you're going to be like, okay, it seems back to normal. Or, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, and mostly the anxieties are gone. The mostly the depressions are gone. Paycheck's coming in pretty good. Kids back in school settled in. Life is pretty good. Husband gone back to work. Nobody said amen to that one, right? And, you know, life is kind of back to somewhat normal, and you can breathe. That moment is coming. That moment is coming your way, and you're going to be back on that mountaintop experience. Things are going to be good. Obviously, some of the things of the valleys are going to be blinders. They're going to be in your back behind you, and you're not really going to pay attention. In fact, you're going to wake up and go, what happened in 2020? What was that all about again? And you're going to have that moment. That's just life. This is how it goes if you've lived any amount of time. But that mountaintop experience is going to come, and it will come back. Listen, there's hope. <laughs> there's always hope. It will come back. You're like, I hope it's soon. It will. And when it does, that's what I want to talk to you today about. He is God in the valleys, but he is also God on the mountaintop. And it's in our mountaintop experiences where we forget about God. We think we don't need God. Why? Life's good. Work's good. Finances are good. Kids are good. Health is fine. Marriage, doing okay. And in those moments when life seems to be going the best for you and your mountaintop experience and everything's great, that's when we begin to forget who God truly is. We may thank him for a moment, but then all of a sudden we begin to realize, I could do this in my own strength. I could do this in my own flesh. Like, I don't really need God right now in my life because God's good. Right, we obviously, we need God in the valley. She walked out on you. You lost your job. Your kid has rebelled, right? Finances are not coming in. God, where are you? You get a bad report from the doctor, right? In the valley, you're like, God, where are you? We need you. But what about when you're on the mountain? What about when you're on top? What about when life is good? 
You see, that's a lot of times that we need to be reminded that God is still in control. And that's what I'm gonna focus on today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 17. This is one of the great mountaintop experiences. In fact, the Bible's full of mountaintop experiences. I don't know if you read through a lot of the Bible, but there's a lot of mountaintop experience. On top of the mountain, Mount Sinai is where God gave Moses the law. And he spoke the law to him. On Mount Carmel, one of my favorite stories, not a good bedtime story, I wouldn't read it to your kid, just throwing it out there. But this is where Elijah calls down fire. Could you imagine that? Just call down fire and burns the whole offering up. Could you imagine that? I mean, that is, that's insane to be just like, I'm, I'm just gonna call down fire and it's gonna destroy it just like right now. I mean, just, he does it and God doesn't listen to him and calls down fire on top of a mountain. And then the greatest mountaintop experience ever was on Mount Calvary where Jesus gave his life and he died for you and he died for me on Mount Calvary. On that skull mountain is the name for that, where he died for you and he died for me. One of the greatest mountaintop experience ever. And then we go to the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus ascended to the Father right before his disciples' eyes. He sees him, carries up to the Father. The Bible is full of mountaintop experiences. But for the majority of them, they lived in a valley. And that's in the deepest, darkest place where they'd be reminded of who God is. And I'm gonna be honest with you, in a world full of sin, and a world full of turmoil, and a world full of uh, uneasiness, and a world full of, of people don't know what's going on, listen, we should praise God when we have mountaintop experiences. In fact, you won't take it for granted. You won't take it for granted someday that you get to walk in and love on your grandma or your grandma. My wife, we're going through that now. She's in a nursing home. There's 101 patients in the nursing home. 99 of the people in that nursing home have it. She's 88 years old. We take it for granted that we can't go in and hug my wife's grandma, that we have to FaceTime. See, sometimes we take people's presence for granted. We take that, hey, we'll see them when we want to see them. We'll go when we want to go. 2020 messed that up for all of us. So you should never take life for granted. In fact, you should live life one day at a time because you are not promised tomorrow. None of us are. You should take for granted that we get to meet together as a church family. For seven months, we were not in person. Yes, we were still minister online, and yes, that's a great supplement, and someday the place will be packed back out again, and there won't be an empty seat anywhere. That's just how it's going to go. No matter if it's at a church, no matter if it's at a ball game, a stadium, a concert, it will be filled someday again, and someday soon. But never take for granted the friends, the family, the relationships, the little easy things that we take for granted. Like we can just run somewhere and eat or run and do something. See, what's going to happen very soon, this is going to be in a rear view mirror and you're going to forget all about like, what was happening? What do you mean? We can't go to what? And you'll have that mountaintop experience and that's what I remind you of today. And when that happens, and it will, what do you do? What do we don't forget about these moments? So in our text in Matthew 17, probably one of the greatest mountaintop experiences, if you've been around church before, if you read through the gospels, I know you've heard of this story, but I'm going to walk you through it and we're going to break it down not dance, break down the message, okay, together. And we're gonna break it down and we're gonna walk through this together. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Here we go. Verse one. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, let's stop and let's walk through this. The Bible says that Jesus took them. Now, if you study your Bible, the difference between reading your Bible and studying your Bible is a pencil. That's the difference. Reading your Bible, you can just read it. 
study it. You're going to grab a pen. You're going to grab a pencil and you're going to study the text. You're going to say, God, speak to me through the text. You're going to ask questions about the text. Who, what, when, where? You know, the basic questions you would ask if you're investigating something in a text. So when you see the word took, why did he take them? Jesus didn't need them to go on top of the mountain. Jesus didn't need nobody on top of the mountain. Why did he take them? The Bible says he took them. You see, if we flip back into Deuteronomy, the Old Testament will tell you, it's the book of Deuteronomy, if something is going to be validated to be truthful, you must have two to three witnesses. The reason why Jesus took them was to witness what is about to happen. He wanted to say, according to the law, that there were two or three people saw this, witnessed this, can verify this, that what happened actually took place. And they did, if you keep reading the book of John, or First Peter and Second Peter. They'll talk about what they witnessed there. And so he takes Peter, James, and John. What? What? That's his inner circle. That's his closest friends. Have you taken for granted your inner circle and your closest friends? That you can now just call, that you can't run and see all the time and get together like you had for barbecues or get together when you wanted to do certain things? So he took his inner circle, his closest friends to him, who became the pillars of the church. Like God used Peter, James, and John and uses them to build up, to launch the church. So Jesus is pouring into these guys, but the main reason is because he wants them to witness about what's to happen so they can validate according to the law, he's keeping the law, that two to three people saw this. And we know that because John 1.14, you know what John writes? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because he remembers that. That word dwelt means to tabernacle. Like he tabernacle. It means to pitch a tent. He stayed with us. Like God's presence moved in. And you're about to see that happen right now. He witnessed that. And he writes about it in the book of John. You get to Peter, 2 Peter. He says, we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. They're about to see it. Peter writes about this experience on the mountain. Why? Because whether it's two or three validates the truth of the story according to the Old Testament law. And then it goes on and says that Jesus led them. I just want to stop for a moment and I want you to pay attention to that. Jesus led them. Led them where? Up. To go up must mean you've been down. Your whole life is going to be ups and down and ups and down. And I want you to know that Jesus will lead you in the valley Remember we talked about this last week? You want to go over it? You can't. You want to go around it? You can't. You want to just crawl and go under it? You can't. You got to go through it. It's the only way to get to the next mountaintop experience is to go through the valley. And praise be to God that he don't let us go by ourselves. That he will walk us through this. But don't miss this. He led them up. And there's going to come a day that he's going to lead you up. Back on top of that mountaintop experience, well, life seems to be back to okay. Things in your life seem to be okay. Don't forget, it is God who is leading you there, who is walking you through that. Verse two, there he was transfigured. Who's he? Jesus. Before them, his face shone like the sun. It was so bright. And his clothes became as white as light. This is the best that they could describe it. That word transform. Is where we get our word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is something internally being exposed externally. It metamorph, it changes, it shifts us with inside. And we get up there, and the best way that they can write this is that Jesus is kind of like, he, he just comes apart, 
and they see his glory. They see his majesty. It is so bright that they can't even look upon Jesus because now he just has revealed himself. Now do you see why he has witnesses? To talk about how he just revealed himself to them personally. This is insane. Could you imagine if that was you? You're sitting there and like, hey, what's up, Jesus? Whoa, what in the world? Like he takes his cape off, like, like bam, there he is. And his light and shine and like, oh my, I can't even look upon your majesty and your glory because you were so holy. And then verse three, this is just surprising. I love the Bible, man. People think the Bible's boring. The Bible's not boring, you're boring. You know what I'm saying? This is so fast. If you love love stories, it's in the Bible. You like wars, it's in the Bible. You like good endings and then bad endings. It's in the Bible. I'm telling you, man, it's so Lord of the Rings. It's so good. Love it. Verse three, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, Elijah talking with Jesus. <laughs> no. Isn't that crazy? Jesus, wow, you're bright, you're beautiful, you're glory. You're bright. Wait, what? Where, where did Moses come from? Elijah. How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? They didn't have like, you know, portraits. They didn't get like on Facebook and go back and find pictures of them. Like, how'd you know that's Moses? How'd you know what Moses looked like? So they were talking. They called each other by name and they realized, oh my goodness, there's Moses, there's Elijah. They're talking with Jesus. This is, I've never seen anything like this in my life. You see, Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. Everything is hung in the balance between the law and the prophets. There's so much rich stuff right here. All the law and all the prophets points to Jesus. So Moses, as a little, as a little boy, little girl, when you're raised up, you heard about Moses and the law and how God used Moses. You heard about Elijah and the chutzpah and the passion that he had. He was the greatest prophet. He calls down fire from Mount Carmel. You've heard all, you've heard all those stories growing up. And now you're sitting there going, here they are. Right in front of me, Moses and Elijah hanging out with Jesus. This is unreal. And if you're like me, I'm sitting there going, what are they talking about? Like, what are you, what are you, what are they talking about? Like, dude, like, Elijah, how was it to be carried up by chariots of fire? Like, never die, man. How'd that feel? Like, what are, you, what, are you, what are they talking about? Actually, Luke tells us. Luke tells us in the other passage, well, Luke describes it, as Peter's like half asleep. And he wakes up and he's startled and he, and he sees Jesus talking to Moses. Elijah says, let's have a building campaign. Let's start building these tabernacles, these tents, one for Moses, one for Jesus, one for Elijah. Let's build all these great things. He just blurts it out. But God wasn't having it. That's how not God saw what was going down. And we know that because of what he's about to say. And just for a reference here, this is so funny, not funny, just interesting that Moses, because of what he did, was not allowed to enter, if you remember, into the promised land over, over to where he was going. But now he's on top of a mountain looking over Canaan where he was not allowed to enter. And he now gets to see it. I just thought that's just fascinating. That's just how my mind works when you study through the, through the text. Verse four, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I never want to go back to the valley. I never want to go down the mountain. I never want to experience what's down there with all the people, the crazy, crazy people. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I don't want to go down to the crazies. I want to stay up here. I want to be on the mountain. Life's good. This is great. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put up three tabernacles, three shelters, three tents. I'm going to build one for you. I'm going to build one for Moses. I'm going to build one for Elijah. Let's stay right here on the mountain. And God didn't like Peter's suggestion. See, Peter got caught up in the experience. Peter got caught up in the emotion. Peter got caught up in the place. Let's stay here. I never want to go to the valley again. I never want to go down there with the crazies. 
I want to stay on the mountaintop, man. I'm going to stay up here as long as I stay. And Jesus, you just stay here with me. Come on, Moses, you come in. Elijah, come in. We have a watch party. It's going to be great. We're going to have a small group. What are you going to call it? We are going to be right here for the rest of our life. we got Jesus. We won't be hungry. He'll feed us. If we get sick, he'll heal us. I mean, this is amazing. No more flu shots. This is awesome. Here we go. Right here. Stay on the mountain. Stay right here. And God's like, no, nah, no, nah, that, that's not how it works. See, because life is full of valleys. And life are full of mountaintop experiences. And though you got to experience this, Peter, James, and John, there's still ministries and there's still things that has to happen in the valley. There are still things that I can only teach you in the valley. There are still things that only you will learn about me when you're in that valley. So you must go through a valley. In fact, it is God's will for you to walk through valleys. It is coming your way. Verse five. God moves in because he didn't like Peter's suggestion. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son. I don't know when I think of God's voice, I get like that. I'm like, this is my son and whom I love. You know, I, I don't know, just Adam Morgan Freeman. You know, I don't know what is that deep voice here. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. God's like, this is my son. Like they heard the voice of God. Like, could you imagine that? You've heard about God speaking and God and all the great prophets and Elijah and Moses as a little boy. He's like, man, if I could just be like Moses, if I could just be like Elijah. And now you hear the audible voice of God. And he says, this is my son who I'm loved. I'm well pleased. In verse six, when the disciples heard this, they fell face to the ground and they were terrified and so would you. They heard it. They fell on their face. God's voice brought them to their needs. And five of them were overshadowed with the presence of God. And the Bible calls it a cloud. See, it's my personal belief and conviction that this is a kind of glory. This is the same cloud that led Israel by day. This was the same cloud that rested on the tabernacle. This is the same cloud that filled Solomon's temple when God's presence moved in the temple. This is the same cloud that when Moses was hiding up in the cliff that came by and he just caught a glimpse of the Lord when the cloud went by on that unbelievable mountaintop experience. This cloud moves in on the Mount Transfiguration, which is the presence of God. This is the glory of God. And let me tell you something, God's glory hasn't been revealed for over 600 years. And now Peter, James, and John is on this mountaintop experience. There's Moses, there's Elijah, there's Jesus. I hear God's voice audibly, and now his presence surrounds us with a cloud. Now, I know we read that, but could you imagine that? You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're filled with the presence of God that's in this form of a cloud that comes all around you. You see, the cloud was God's presence. It was his glory. And I want you to know this, the law would have never, ever allowed Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John stand in the presence of God. Why are they able to stand in the presence of God and not die? Because Jesus is there. Listen to me, 
Being good don't make you right with God. The law don't make you right with God. Giving to the year and offering will not make you right with God. Reading your Bible will not make you right with God. Walking an aisle won't make you right with God. Being dunked won't make you right with God. Saying a prayer won't make you right with God. The only thing that allows you, a sinner, to stand in the presence of God is Jesus. Only Jesus can make you right with God. And so now Jesus' presence there, and now God's presence fills this place, and they're not consumed. And someday all of us will stand before Jesus and we'll stand before God. And if you've put your faith and trust in him, do you know what's going to allow you to enter into the kingdom in the presence of God? It's not because you were good. Please hear me. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And the only way you can be forgiven is put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're going to blow it. We all are going to blow it. But even though I blow it, what makes me right with God? Jesus. And what he did on the cross. That's what makes me right with him. So Elijah's standing there and then now they're gone and Moses is now gone. And all of a sudden we're in this place in verse seven. Look what happens. But Jesus came and he touched them. That's so good. Jesus touched him. He didn't get mad. He didn't yell at him. What does he say? Get up. Don't be afraid. And every time God moved in and every time an angel would appear, every time they always said, don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear. Don't be afraid. And this is very important. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And really, that's my main point. There's going to come a moment you're going to be back on top of the mountain. There's going to come a moment you're going to have that great mountaintop experience. And you're going to be looking at your job. And you're going to be looking at your bank account. And you're going to be looking at your 401k. And you're going to be looking at your marriage. And you're going to be looking at your kids. You're going to be looking. Everything's pretty good right now. You know, I don't, don't, nothing's ruffled right now. Everything's pretty good. And what will happen is you'll get your eyes on those things. And you'll take your eyes off of Jesus the one who led you to the top of the mountain. Oh, I'm so thankful that he's God in the valley, but we miss it on the mountaintop because all of a sudden we believe in our self-sufficiency that things are good because I'm good. Marriage is good because I'm good. Job's good because I'm, and we start to put all of our own self-sufficiency in, and all, obviously we get to a prideful way that things are good because of me. And all of a sudden, I don't need God right now. I don't need anything right now because everything's good and you forget why it's good. And I want to remind you, when you get back on top of that mountain and it is coming, stop and look up because all that you should see is only Jesus. He's the one that led you there, who's blessed you, who took you, who guided you out of the valley up on that mountain, because I'm here to tell you there's going to come a day again he's going to lead you right back into that valley. And you better enjoy that moment on top of the experience, not by just coasting through life, but giving him all the glory and all the credit for what he's doing in your life. And keep your eyes and your focus on Jesus. See, Peter was caught up in the people. Moses, Elijah, come on, hall of fame of faith, let's go. 
the experience. I've never felt nothing like this in my life. To God, your glory, let's just stay here forever. And God's like, no, that's not how it works. And then verse nine, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead. Prior to this, Jesus was telling them, I'm gonna die. It's okay, I'm gonna be raised from the dead. He told them over and over and over. It should not have shocked them, but it did. He says, don't talk about this. There's been two to three witnesses until after I'm raised from the dead. And they did. Peter writes about it. John writes about it. They behold, they beheld, they saw his glory and his majesty. What did he not want them to say right this now? Is that Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. Who do you say they are? Well, some think you're a prophet. Some think you're Elijah. Jesus is greater. The book of Hebrews tells all that Jesus is better all the way through the book of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than the law. And look right here in John chapter eight. I'm gonna close with this. In verse 53, they asked him, the religious men, are you greater than our father Abraham? Because remember, everything was built on father Abraham, Abraham of faith. That's where everything's birthed. God's like, I'm gonna pick you. Not because you're good, not because anything special. I just wanna build my, I'm gonna build it on you. I'm gonna go to Abraham and I'm gonna build a people and I'm gonna build a nation. I'm gonna create a family. I'm gonna create my chosen people, my chosen group. Are you now greater than father Abraham? He died, and so did all the prophets. Moses, Elijah, all these guys died. Who do you think you are? You think you're greater? Jesus says, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But as my Father who will glorify me, you say, is our God. He says, my Father, Heavenly Father, he's the one glorifying me. But you don't even know him, the Father. And then Jesus says, but I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great as a liar as you. But I do know him and I obey the father. See, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. How did Abraham know that Jesus was coming? Because Jesus told him, I'm coming. And I'm going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And God with you, I'm coming. And Abraham looked for it, verse 57. Then the people said, you're not even 50 years old yet. I thought that was funny. Actually, he's like in his 30s, but that's another whole study. How can you have seen Abraham? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, he lived and he died. And now you're only 50 some years old and actually he's really 30 some. How in the world did you see him? And then look what he says. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. Now, we don't have the verse on there, but the next verse in 59 says they bend up and picked up rocks to stone him. Why would they want to kill him? Well, back in Exodus, Moses talking with God and says, God, the people are going to ask, what's your name? What should I tell them? God says, I am who I am. 
you go tell them that I am sent you. Okay. And now Jesus, when he's asking them, I tell you the truth before Abraham was, look what he says, I am. And at that very moment, he claims deity. He claims the name of God, the one that God told Moses. And because he claimed that he is God and he's greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than the law, greater than the prophets, the religious people bend down to grab stones to stone him for claiming for blasphemy. Because Jesus says, I'm greater than anything you happen in your life. Yes, I am God in the valley, but I'm also God on top. I'm the God of the mountaintop as well. And we want to bring the focus back and says, though you may focus on the experience, though you may focus on what's the feeling, I want you know to focus on me, Peter. I am so thankful for mountaintop experiences, but honestly, that's not where most of your life is gonna be lived. So you better embrace it, enjoy it when it happens and it comes and stop and keep your focus on Jesus and not get focused and sidetracked on anything else and say, it's only Jesus, man. I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. And I believe that's the same thing that's happening right now. It's not about a moment. It's not about an experience. It's not about a mountaintop. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, God didn't bring you here today, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, to show you what he has done. God has not brought you here today to show you what he's doing in our church. God brought you here today to show you who he is. That he is not only the God of the valleys, but he's also God on the mountaintop as well in your life. And you should never, ever forget it. That he is a covenant-keeping God, a faithful God, a God who will always provide. He is the alpha, the beginning. He's the omega. He's the end. He's all in between. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he brought you here today to let you know that he's here. That God is in this place. His spirit is here. And it's moving in people's lives. And he didn't bring you here just to show you a moment or experience. He wants you to see who he is. And that he is a God who provides. And that he is a God that is in control. On the mountaintop and in the valley. And I want you to remember this. Whatever God reveals to you on that mountain of who he is, he wants to use that to remind you when you're in that valley. And for some of you right now who is in that valley, you need to remember what it was and who God was on the mountain. That he is still good. That he is still in control. And that he still has a purpose and plan for your life. No matter how bad the valley may be, he will lead you back up in due time. I don't know when that will be. No one knows when that would be. That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. Not the circumstances, not the stuff around us, but we keep our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. So what I'm gonna ask you to do just for a moment is for you just to bow your heads and I want you to reflect on that. Some of you right now, you're in that valley. Keep your head up. 
He's with you to walk you through it. Some of you may be led back on top of the mountain. That's okay. Remember who's the one that leads you. He's leading you. And he will guide you and direct you in all that you do. As we're really for the last two weeks, here's the main thing. He's with you. Pastor, you don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've tried. You don't know what I've done. He's with you. But I don't sense him. I don't feel him. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. He's with you. I don't, I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to hold. I don't know what's going to happen. He's with you. He's with you. And he brought you here, whether you're watching online or you're in person, to remind you that he is with you. So knowing that God's presence is with you, how does that change? How you feel, what you think, what you believe, what tomorrow holds. We've said over and over and over, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. But listen to me, as believers, we do know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. And therefore, I'll trust him. And maybe the, this Christmas season, the greatest gift that you need to receive, I'm gonna talk about this next week as well. So if you have people in your family who are kind of away from God or away from church and you want them to hear a clean, clear gospel message, I'm gonna be sharing that next week. And that will be your opportunity to bring them to a place, could be an aunt, uncle, a spouse, a kid. They say, I want them to hear about Jesus. It's gonna happen next week. In fact, it happens every week. There's never a week you're gonna show up here we don't talk about Jesus. If you're not gonna be or they won't come with you in person, then it's okay, do it online. Make sure they're able to join you online, watch it online, get it in their hand because we're gonna share the gospel the greatest gift. But you don't have to wait till next Sunday because you're not promised tomorrow. And today you can receive the greatest gift ever. His name is Jesus. He came for you. He died for you. He got up out of the grave for you. And you can have a mountaintop experience today by surrender. Meet him on Mount Calvary where his blood was shed for you. His body was broken for you. He died for you. And you don't have to wait till next week, right where you are, watching online or in person, you could cry out to Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you, that you came for me, that you died for me, that you got up out of the grave for me. And right now, as best as I know how, I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. And if that's you, and you prayed that, a prayer will not save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus is Lord, then proclaim it with your mouth. Cry out to your heavenly Father and give your life to Him. Father, we thank you so much for mountaintop experiences. And Lord, it's easy to get to the point to say, I wish we could just stay here. 
I wish there's no valleys. I wish we just stayed right here and everything's good and everything's great and life just, just everything's clicking and everything's just going in the right direction. But we know, Lord, that's not life. Life is full of highs and life is full of lows. And even though we can't see where we're heading next, we know you do. And we know according to your word that every single person who's put their faith and trust in you, that there's no condemnation. There's nothing that can ever separate us from your love. You say you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That God, for every one of us who put our faith and trust in you, you are with us and you will lead us and you will guide us because you have an unbelievable, perfect will for us. And that will does include suffering and it does include valleys. That's just how it goes. But Lord, we can trust you. You are God in the valley as you are also God on the mountaintop. There's a lot of hurting people struggling right now, Lord. And I pray that you would just surround us with your presence. That Lord, just like that cloud surrounded Peter, James, and John, that God, your presence will surround us and Lord, that we will sense your nearness no matter what we face in our life. And God, we thank you in advance for the generosity of your people. God, as we as a church come together to be a blessing to organizations who are in valleys, to be a blessing to missionaries who are in valleys financially, to be a blessing for those who are in medical debt. In that valley that we, God, get to be part of that blessing. Our hands are opened. And we know that we can outgive you. Take the little that we have, multiply it to minister to thousands and thousands of people in this region. Not so people will look and say, what a great, generous church. But they will say, what a great God they serve, that God is faithful, and that you can outgive him. So, Lord, here as we give to you in this time of our offering. Take it, use it, multiply it, minister to the people in this region and abroad. And we will always give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Our eyes are fixed on you. In the valleys, our eyes are fixed on you on the mountaintop. Because it's only about you, Jesus. And may that always be our heartbeat and always be our focus on you. For it's in your name we ask and we pray. Come on down, everybody said, amen.